0: All right, well, good morning, everybody. There we see he's got it. he's got it. I don't get to preach here often, but when I do preach here, we have this conversation every time, right? So good morning. Good morning. and now see, that just seems forced, so you can't win either way. doesn't matter. <laughs> Thank you. see he's got it there's this there's this sense that we're not you're here to hear and learn and and listen, but you're also a participant too and so Just to be able to feel that tension here, um, because as my family can tell you, you're not really going to probably get a lot if you only grow by listening to me um, consistently. So I have my moments. But uh, (laughs) um, so this is a participation. This is something that we get to do together. So it's good to be with y'all. If I don't know who you are... um, I haven't met you yet. My name's Robert. Uh, I do some admin work here for Center Church, and my family and I have been around here for three, two and a half, three years. Yeah, three, something like that. Looking at Heather, she's nodding. Um, And so every once in a while, I get to pop up here and share with y'all. So it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, Before we dive in, uh, let's just uh, start with a word of prayer. Lord, we give you thanks for this opportunity to gather together as a community, um, to come and learn from and with one another. Uh, to sit with who you are and what you've done, and to take root in that. Um, not that uh, that we are doing anything, but we're responding to what you have done. And just uh, just pray that as we dive in this morning, that um, what what you have to say, what is of you would stick, and anything else would just uh, go away. And just pray that this would be a posture and receptivity that we all have uh, throughout this morning. In your name, amen. Uh, So we're then in the midst of a series on Hebrews, uh, our normal posture here. We did a summer series, we do a couple other series here and there, but primarily we're walking through books of the Bible um, from beginning to end. And so we have been uh, pressing through Hebrews for a while now, and we're scheduled to be in Hebrews for a good long time, as it is a deep and rich and and thick book of information. And just so a little bit of review, just about where we've been, uh, we're just starting chapter 3 this morning And as we've been reading through Hebrews, as we focus on what we have been focused on, um, as we look ahead, uh, there's just this intentionality by the author of Hebrews to keep pointing us to Jesus. Uh, You get this feeling as you read through Hebrews that the author is kind of operating like an air traffic controller, like Jesus, Jesus, we're going to keep pointing you this way, we're going to keep pointing you this way. You're not going to miss Jesus, and if you do read again, because I'm going to keep pointing you to Jesus. In the next chapter, I'm going to keep pointing you to Jesus, and I'm going to keep pointing you to Jesus. And um, the author does that in a variety of different ways. But as we've been talking about Jesus throughout this series, and as we frame this series, it's on the notion that Jesus is better. And so as you go through this um, book, as you go through our, um, our conversations, I hope that you continuously see that, that our hope here in looking at Hebrews and the hope of the author of Hebrews is to continuously be pointing to who Jesus is. Um, time and time again because as even um, Kevin talked a little bit about in community time as we've talked as I'm sure that you experience it's something that we can always be reminded of again and again and again and you can add a handful more agains for me um, at least throughout that so where we're at today is uh, Hebrews chapter 3 verses 1 through 6 you can uh, swipe to it you can turn to it you can look up on the screen uh, it'll be a variety of different places but I'm going to read from there Now, so Hebrews 3, uh, 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more... uh, As much more glory as a builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So what I want to do with our time this morning is to be able to walk through this text, um, bring some stuff out of it, make some comments and reflections as we go, because there's a lot packed into these six verses. And right away, what I want us to see as we look at this passage, that the author starts right away saying, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share a heavenly calling, you who share a heavenly calling, right away there is an us, There is a corporate reality here. You who share a heavenly calling. This isn't just about one person who hears this. This isn't just about another person, but there's this you who share a heavenly calling. So right away, there's an us. And even just how this section starts, therefore, brothers and sisters, you who share a heavenly calling has this sense of reminding of, hey, you share a heavenly calling. Uh, As we've talked about here a handful of times, and as uh, one of my friends, uh, Mike Bradley, who is a director of network of churches that I work with, um, if you ask him like what has he been called to, he'll say just the ministry of reminding. He's been in pastoral ministry for 45 years, and he'll sum it up as like what do you do? He's like I remind people about the gospel. I remind people about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. I remind people that they're for and with one another in this calling. And it literally just is all I do, because we forget, or we move on, or we think we have it figured out. And so I just love this notion of how this starts, therefore, you who share a heavenly calling. And then he continues on and says, consider Jesus, and just to hear that, to hear, therefore, you who share heaven's calling, consider Jesus. There's this invitation to pause as we read this text. Not only in the consideration, the invitation to consideration, but grammatically, there's also an invitation to pause. Consider Jesus. And through that reminder, an invitation to consider Jesus' faithfulness, to consider Jesus' stop. And I just love that notion of considering Jesus. It seems so simple, right? Well, of course, it's Jesus. We're supposed to focus on him, but to stop and pause and to consider Jesus. What comes to mind when we just stop for a moment and consider Jesus? We get so busy with the moving go to and fro, the Sunday setup, the getting to work, the game after, or whatever is going on. Did this go over 90 minutes? Did it go over 60 minutes? If you're from a good Lutheran context, Um, all of these other things, other stresses about what it is that's momi- giving us momentum, fueling us. But how much of that is rooted in, hey, consider Jesus. To stop, to pause, to consider Jesus. And whatever has been coming to your mind through this time as you sit and consider Jesus, I want you to hold on to as we keep going and walking through the text that we have this morning. The author continues on and talks about that not only that you share a heavenly calling, an invitation to consider Jesus, but that there is something here of our confession of who Jesus is. Consider that Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, of our confession. The author of Hebrews is pointing us to consider Jesus' faithfulness. Author is connecting pointing us to Jesus' faithfulness to consider. And that consideration is connected to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So we're connecting our consideration to the confession of who Jesus is and what he has done. It's a little bit of a tongue twister there, a little bit there, so let's just sit with that for a moment. That The author here is saying that as we consider Jesus, our considerations of Jesus is connected to our confession of Jesus. When we consider Jesus, when we sit and actually consider Jesus, our considerations reveal how we feel, how we view how we think about Jesus. There's a connection between what we think and what we confess. And oftentimes, there's many ways it can play out, and there's oftentimes two main ways that this plays out. That our consideration of Jesus, as it leads to our confession of Jesus, leads us to what we believe about Jesus. We think about Jesus, and how we think about Jesus can't help but impact what we say about Jesus, So there's a natural connection there. But on the other end, it can also highlight a gap between our confession and our consideration. Might seem a little confusing wordplay there, but oftentimes what we confess about Jesus doesn't always match up what we consider or think or live out about Jesus. Because for some of y'all, if you grew up in the church, this can become rote pretty quickly. Um, And there's nothing wrong with memorization um, sometimes I wish that I still couldn't respite, recite most of Luther's small catechism to you if I tried, but um, that's, a, that's more of a seminary joke than it is anything else about the catechism itself, so I apologize um, within there. But there is a sense that we, if you grew up around the church, if you've been around the church for a while, or if you're being told what it means to be part of a church, there's always this emphasis of, this is what you need to believe, this is what you need to believe, which is important, But do we actually consider it? Do we actually know it? Do we actually believe it? Are we just saying, I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and going on, and then we're like, okay, that's at least two minutes of service done. (laughs) And that's that. And so this connection that I think that the is inviting us into of our consideration and our confession. And one thing that I want to point our direction to is any time that I think about confession, especially when it comes to confession of Jesus as Lord, I'm drawn to the Gospel of Matthew, And the beloved disciple Peter, not actually the beloved disciple as referred to scripture, but he's my beloved disciple because Peter is frantic and crazy and he's all on board and then he's not on board, then he is on board and he's not on board and kind of all back and forth and everywhere in the middle. But when we think about the importance of what we confess, that our considerations connecting to our confession, um, as I was working through this and praying on it, I was drawn to Matthew 16. Um, Because anytime we talk about confessing Jesus as the Lord, this is the passage that comes to my mind. Um, It's from Matthew 16, 13 through 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Our confession of Jesus is of interest to Jesus. Jesus knows who he is. Jesus knows what he's done. Jesus knows what he's going to do. But there's this invitation here to say, but who do you say that I am? And Peter declares, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Who you say Jesus is matters. It changes. Peter doesn't do half the stuff that Peter does from this point on if he doesn't truly believe what he proclaimed. And so it shapes and it forms us that how we think about Jesus, the invitation to consider Jesus, and our confession of Jesus, these play off one another. They can't help but not, whether they reveal there's a gap between what we say and how we live, or whether we, not maybe Jesus isn't that because I just can't wrap my head around that, or I can't really feel that, or I can't press into that. Who you say Jesus is matters. And this consideration of Jesus for the author of Hebrews presses us in to look at God's whole story. We're not considering Jesus just in a vacuum. We're considering in Jesus and all that God has done, is doing, and will do primarily as revealed through scripture. And so the author of he- Hebrews uses that for us to get a grip and an understanding of who Jesus is that says, this Jesus that I'm speaking of is worthy of more glory than Moses. Yeah, that Moses. The Moses who talked with God, who communicated with God, who spoke with people, who brought a people together. So when the author of Hebrews says, consider Jesus, the author is not just inviting you into this moment right now with nothing before or after than right now. There's this whole, there's this entirety. There is this look at what God has done, is doing, and will do. And so the author of Hebrews is continually revealing who Jesus is through the whole of God's story. And that's something that here at Center Church we really want to continuously remind you that this isn't just this verse, this isn't just this passage, there's a whole, there's an entirety. This builds and intertwines, and comes back and goes forward. Um, it's deep and it's wide. And so as we point to Moses, we see a greater insight of who Jesus is. In the Old Testament book of Numbers, which is cited in our text today, the Lord says of Moses, he is faithful in all my house. And it's really important here that it says that the Lord is saying of Moses, he is faithful in all my house. And all my house, says the Lord. So the Lord's house, not Moses' house, not this person's house, not that person's house, but then the Lord's house. Moses was faithful to the house and he is remembered for such here and throughout Scripture and throughout our faith. But he didn't build the house. And that's the distinction that the author of Hebrews is really wanting to point out here is that Moses is called faithful. The Lord says he is faithful. He has been faithful to the house. But it is Jesus that has built the house. And we need to sit with that. We need to recognize that this was good Jesus is better. God had used this for a larger revelation of who God is. And Jesus is here to show us that it is him that builds the house. The text goes on to continue on to this theme that we are not the ones that build the house. Moses didn't build the house. No one else builds the house. But in verse 4, says that the builder of all things is God. The text reminds us of this Continuously. Moses could be faithful to the house, but he cannot build the house that was and is for Jesus. And the author of Hebrews tells us, and this is is where it can get really heavy in here. (laughs) With all this, we can say, hey, Jesus builds the house. We don't build the house. That's great. Okay, I really want to kind of be in charge, but maybe not. But it's all right. If Jesus built the house, I'm still living in the house. It's fine. And the author says, and we are his house. And so there is this presence of like, Jesus builds the house, you don't build the house. But yet we are his house. And there's a lot that plays within that. As we think about this idea of house and building, oftentimes we have this intertwine that we need on one end to remember that this is Jesus that builds us up. This is Jesus' good work. This is what Jesus is doing in and through us. But that doesn't mean that we aren't present in the process. That doesn't mean that we aren't open to the process because obviously we all know God's going to do what God wants through and when God wants to do that, right? So there is that reality there. But oftentimes we need correction on both sides. We need correction on the side that we think this is all about us and we can do that. Um, And more often than not, that's where the focus of our correction is because it's so obvious that that's where we need the correction. But on the other side of that, we can sometimes kid ourselves into thinking like, ah, Jesus has got this. I get to clock in for my 90 minutes on Sunday, and I'm good because I can't do anything. Okay, am I the only one who ever does that? All right, never mind. But like, there's a tension, right? Come to church, check off the church, do that. Check off the faith. You've done all these things. Jesus has got it. And one of the reasons that I think this is so seductive to us is because it is true that Jesus has it. Jesus' church has been around for a long time. Continue to be around for a long time, but that also doesn't invite us into a proactive working against being obedient and faithful to what Jesus has called us to. And so, in this idea of that, we are as his house, 1 Peter 2 5 has really helpful as we work out this dynamic, as we work out this tension um, that I was just articulating and talking about here. It says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I want you to hear that again. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable of God through Jesus Christ. Pay attention to that first part from the First Peter text. "Are these stones dead? It says these stones are living and are being built up. It's not like I'm just going to sit here and hold down really hard, and Jesus is going to keep grabbing me and then build me up on my own, and I'm going to keep coming down. There, there can be that tension there. It feels like that, and Jesus is going to work in and through us, regardless of where. Um, we go, but as what we are called into, there's a sense here as I read this, that this living stones is a reminder that there's this activity with and for us as well. That there is a liveliness there. That there is a willingness to be built up. As the author of Hebrews remind us, God is the builder. We're not building ourselves up. And oftentimes we get so scared of this idea that we're doing this. It's about us. This is what it is. But there's this invitation from Jesus to build us up. And there's a sense that we're called to respond to that. That we are called to be alive in that. um, That we are giving ourselves up to be built up. That this is not a passive building up, but an active. And again, I want to stop because oftentimes it's where where it is. It's active, but you're saying it's about us. No, the text says that this is through Jesus. That this is through Jesus, that this is happening. But we got to stand up or we got to sit down however you can and c- cannot move around. But the reality is to be able to be present and be alive in what Jesus is doing. There is a call here that we are his house. And there's a sense that we allow ourselves to be his house. That we allow ourselves to be his house. That this is not a passive building up and an active Not through our own power, but through the power of Jesus and the spirit that Jesus so freely gives. I want to just sit with this for a little bit before we continue on again, because I think it's something that we assume, but we don't always get. Yes, get it. We're called to be the church. Jesus builds us up. I get that. But yet it's still such a deep struggle, isn't it? Or at least I want to throw myself under the bus again. I think it is for a lot of us. It is we go, we believe, we then forget that we once believed. Or we believe in this kind of passive belief way where, yeah, this is with what we do. And that's why I love, I have this student this year at my work who is two years into the Christian faith. And he's absolutely crazy because he literally thinks anything is possible. Because he's like, have you, have you seen what Jesus has done in my life? And it's just so fun to watch all his classmates be like, dude, calm it down a bit. And he's like, and just, just last week, this guy said, he's like, calm it down a bit? This is Jesus we're talking about. What do you mean calm it down a bit? I literally was in a gutter two years ago with needles, and this is where I'm at now. Don't tell me to be calm about what Jesus has done like this has literally changed and transformed my life. I'm back with my wife. I'm back with my kids. I am sober for two years. Like this is insane. Like what do you mean just okay well don't raise your hands like that or don't clap or don't get excited or like really we're inviting you to more mourn your faith than celebrate your faith and like that's just really what the focus is going to be because we don't want people uncover. What are you talking about? Consider Jesus our confession to jesus, what do we confess about Jesus that he's the savior that he's the messiah that he was dead he rose again and he gave us a spirit to live eternally like that is crazy but let's be honest i'll be honest for myself i don't i have structures and things set up that make me not need jesus as much or make me think i don't need jesus as much it's tight but I know heat's getting paid next month. Like, and I know these other things are going to happen. A couple weeks ago, my counselor told me I hit my deductible, and so I'm getting a credit. Like, that's crazy. Like, I, I can go and do that work, and I can go do those things. And so I realized, like, oh, this isn't, like, wow, what? no, wait, I really need Jesus deeply. <laughs> and we, we forget that, and that whole notion of just, okay, now we got church, we got our three songs, we got our sermon, we got our two songs, but what is it that sparked that fire in you in the first place? As you consider Jesus, as you consider what we confess about Jesus, whether it's something that you're just interested in right now and you're feeling out because you're like, I have this family, I have these friends that are talking about Jesus, and I don't really know, but I'm here. Whether literally you can't remember the last Sunday that you didn't go to church because if you missed church, you had to have pizza with your uncle that night during the football game and he would just stare at you wondering why you weren't in church and it was awkward and you'd feel judged. So regardless of where we met, there's something that sparked a fire because you're here. And here's the deal, if you're only here because you think you're supposed to, then I think we need to reassess this. I was with some guys from church recently and we were going through a study together And one of the questions that came up is, have we lost our captivation for Jesus? And some days, I have to be honest, I have. Because it's going to be there. My whole, like, in one way, like, it should, because my whole work at a seminary and being able to do admin work here revolves around Jesus But when everything resolves around Jesus and what we have to show up to, it's really easy for it to actually not revolve around Jesus. And so that as I was reading through this passage, as I was reminded of this invitation, of this challenge to pause and consider Jesus, look at what Jesus has done, look at who Jesus is, look at this Jesus. We're going to keep pointing to you again and again. This remembering and this recognition of the fact that, holy cow, look who this Jesus is. Look who this Jesus is. Look at what Jesus has done for you and with you. Look at the people that Jesus has brought into your life. Whether it's someone who is being present or caring about you, prompted by the gospel call. Whether it's community to come and show up to while you figure things out. Whether it's something that you've always done. This is something that is changing. It's life-changing. It's world-changing. It can't help but not be. And so we are as our house. And my call, my question, my plea for all of us is, as we consider Jesus, what does it mean to be his house? To be built up, to give ourselves up to that building up. And it can be uncomfortable at times. It can be challenging at times. It can be counterproductive to what we've always thought and dreamt church is. Okay, I'm done. It's fine. Just got my Sunday morning in. Got that in. Got to say hi to people. And then Go. But when we consider Jesus and what Jesus has done for us, when we are invited to be his house that he builds up to trust in that, that's some crazy stuff. Some heavy realities. It can't help press and challenge us in those ways. And so, we are his house and built up to in his house. But how? How do we hold on to this? Because I think that's one of the things that becomes really challenging in this dynamic, whether you're new, whether you've been around here forever, and by that I mean the church in general or faith in Jesus, is we don't actually always make it that challenging, do we? Like, we provide a service for you. We provide uh, a framework of how we do church. There's a sense of, like, just show up and church happens, right? It's been that way for a long time, or just— um, when it comes to my own life, like, we're focused on those people because I don't need to be focused on because I'm a Christian and I go to church. And Jesus says that, or the, um, the author of Hebrews speaks to the fact that if we are his house and to be built up in his house, we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. We, indeed, we are his house if indeed we hold fast to our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So we are his house if indeed we hold fast to our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Holding fast in our confidence. Holding fast this notion of remaining tightly secured to continue to believe. And at times holding fast to hold tightly secure, continue to believe when everything is trying to get you to not believe. And one of the things that I want to propose for y'all, and to go back to what we were just talking about with how how routine, how rote, how just every—how um, how mindless, I guess, for lack of a better word, that we can make church at times as far as this is just a pattern, this is a rhythm that we do. So especially for those who are been in church in a long time, have walked through the faith a long time, because I think we can often focus on— growth and development that needs to happen on one side but this is a side that we don't focus on as much because and we also don't ask each other questions as much because we're like hey we see you in church on sunday you're fine you got it that's fine man this is 20 years at church that's great you've been a christian for 20 years and we stop asking each other questions and it drives me nuts because i've sat in a pew needing questions asked to me a lot and being open and receptive to asking those questions, and so that we hold fast, that there is this immediacy, there's this constant, there's this consistency to holding fast, and so that it isn't just something that we held fast onto for a short season, and now we're sitting somewhere that we don't need to hold fast to. It's this constant holding fast, because even being in church every Sunday does not mean you're holding fast to the gospel. It just doesn't because we become routine, we become apathetic. It's a temptation, and if y'all are better at this than me, let's talk, because that's great, because I could learn. Great, and there's so many things that we can learn from. So, but I want you to at least ask that question. Is this just a routine? Is this just, but this holding fast is an invitation for those who are new to the faith, are just figuring this out, to hold fast to Jesus, to say, okay, Jesus, you got me on this ride. Where are you going? And then for us that have been on this ride for a while, to say, where have I started letting go? Where have I started loosing my grip? Where have I stopped considering our confession of who you are? Because we all have areas. We have all thoughts of that. So we hold fast and that we boast in our hope. Our hope is in Jesus. It is, what we are boast- is that what we are boasting in? The author of Hebrews says that we indeed are his house if we hold fast in our confidence and we boast in our hope. Is the hope that we boast in in Jesus. I was reminded last night as I was watching one of the first years in a long time, which is a very weird way to say this, that the Chicago Cubs aren't in the World Series, or in the playoffs, are close to the World Series. And I just can't believe I'm making the statement that it's been a long time since they haven't been in the playoffs, because literally that's my entire childhood and family members' childhood, and other people's childhood, and so it's insane. Brennan will be like, why aren't the Cubs in the World Series this year? And I'm like, who are you? What generation did you get raised in? But 2016, that was my hope. This is finally happening. This is insane. There were parents and grandparents and kids that hadn't talked to each other for decades that made that phone call because they won the World Series. It was insane, and there was cool things that happened with that, Right? I woke Brennan up. We were waving the W flag around the living room. I was on my knees, which made it look like there was an altar to the TV, which is going to help this imagery all the more, right? Then I logged on to Twitter, right? Which is never a, 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 like, advised thing to do if you want to stay in a good place. But you did that, and then it said, this is what the roster looks like for next year. What's going to happen? Just like that, 108 years So now we're already focused on next year. It's like, what have I spent the last five months doing? That 2016 year, I probably watched a good 80 of the 162 games and whole. Because this was going to be it. This was going to be huge. And then it's over, and we're always already focused on the next. So I'm boasting, I'm celebrating, and then all the questions that I'm getting is like, oh, but they're not going to be able to do it again. Or this is going to happen. I'm like, oh, but I had this like 10 minute. Boasting in Jesus isn't like that. When we consider Jesus, it's not like that because it's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The hope and trust and excitement. And there's a lot of cool things. Monday night football. I don't really watch football that much, but I'm going to try to watch part of it because the new Star Wars trailer is coming out. The final Star Wars trailer, right? But here's the deal. You're going to go online and everyone's going to be like, yeah, but this is where it failed. This is where it's problematic. They didn't honor Carrie Fisher's legacy properly. And you're like, no, let me enjoy this. Jesus is the same. Continuously. Often. We can have fun. We can enjoy. All you need to do is talk to my family or have a five-minute conversation with me, and I will probably make 30 pop culture references within it. And the sad thing is, is that I won't even know I'm doing it. It would just be natural. And so we can have fun. We can enjoy these things. We can appreciate them. But they're not Jesus. And they're not going to be Jesus. And the harder that we try to make them Jesus, the harder the fall is going to be when we realize that thing wasn't Jesus. There's a lot of things I ignored in 2016, <laughs> especially the last few months of the season. And it happens so quickly. You are know, like, that's such a funny example, but those impact, those move. And so the author of Hebrews, as we get to the end here, tells us to hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope, that we boast in Jesus. And to go back to what we talked about a little bit ago, if that isn't how we worship, if that isn't how we live, now I get that there's extroverts and there's introverts and there's people who get excited and there's people who are excited on the inside, but you would never know they were excited. Otherwise, so I get that. You have this thing, but if this is a time of mourning and not a time of celebration, if this is a time of checking your phone and your clock, or I'm getting an email notification from like someone else that is going on that is out there, or any of those other different dynamics, right? Like if any of that is happening, then it's like, wait, are we here? Are we present? Are we in it? Because this is the best thing in the world to be in. But we're not going to grasp that fully unless we let ourselves be built up. If we consider Jesus, if we recognize that what we confess actually matters and it makes a difference. So, lastly, um, one thing, and then gospel application. But before the gospel application, last point on this: is a reminder that this is in and through Jesus. This isn't us. We're not building ourselves up. Jesus is building ourselves up. And I want you to pay attention to something that oftentimes that we talk about, like, okay, that's great, hold fast, great, have faith, um, hold fast, boast, all those things. But how do we do this? Jesus is faithful. The gospel is faithful. Faithful is said four times in this passage. Faithful, faithful, faithful. And I'm like saying, Beetlejuice three times, this brings life. Right? Faithful. Jesus is faithful. When we don't feel like we can boast, when we don't feel like we can hold fast, Jesus is faithful time and time and time again. And when we consider Jesus, when we consider Jesus, or our gospel application for today is in considering Jesus, we see that he is Faithful. When we consider Jesus, we see that he is faithful. Just stop and consider Jesus. Consider the Jesus that's revealed throughout the scriptures. Consider the Jesus that has met you and walked with you through your life. Consider Jesus. And though it might not always seem it like at the time, that I really believe that when we do that, when we look at God's larger story, when we look at the workings of our life, Jesus is going to be there. And he's going to be faithful to us. And so when you don't feel like you can hold fast, when you don't feel like you can boast, consider Jesus. Is the Jesus conf- we confess the Jesus that we believe in? Is it the Jesus that comes to mind when we consider Jesus? So let us hold fast to that truth that comes through believing in the gospel. Let's pray. Gracious God.